0: Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's Weekly Sermon Podcast. In this week's episode, we finish our series, Way, Truth, Life, and we get honest about a life that follows Jesus. Adversity and weakness are common in that life, and our proper response to them might be different than you think. Journey with us as we'll find that Christ flips the script on weakness. If you watch sports at all, anybody watch sports? Anybody? Yes? Yeah. I dabble in sports, right? You know that athletes can get hurt, right? Athletes get hurt by playing the game because, quite frankly, the game demands them to push their bodies to their limits. Depending on what sport you play, uh, any of these can happen to you. Pulled muscles, bruises, cuts, losing teeth, any hockey fans? Yeah, yeah, that happens often. Broken bones. And then whatever else, the general soreness that comes when playing these contact sports. And the, way, the level that they play these contact sports, they're, they're likely to get hurt at some point too because they are pushing their body to the limit so much. And the reality it is is that they'll miss time they will miss time and not be able to play. But what happens whenever you get injured, but you're still able to play on some level? Like, you're good enough to play. Like, for example, those of us who are Browns fans have a starting quarterback that has a torn labrum in his non-throwing shoulder, okay? Which means he can still use this shoulder just fine to throw. Except, of course, anybody who's ever been hurt understands that It's not, he feels something whenever he throws, right? But what has happened over the past few weeks is Baker Mayfield, I'll say his name, right? Baker has, well, been taken out of the game for a brief moment and then he's back in for the next offensive series. And you know what all of us do whenever we see that? I'm impressed. I got mad respect for him. He is playing through pain. He's playing through injury. That's impressive to me, right? How many of us do that, right? Because what we think is, is, wow, he's really sacrificing himself for the win or sacrificing himself for the team. He is looking to overcome adversity at whatever cost. And the reason why we have respect for athletes who do this you think about Michael Jordan in the flu game. You think about all of these different. We've we've be, they've become myths to us, like all of these different kinds of things, because they have overcome adversity. Our culture praises and respects overcoming adversity that you can do yourself. And when you think about it, in life, when things, when adversity, when comes your way when pain, when suffering, when whatever comes our way, because life comes at you, what do you want to do? You want to be able to handle it, right? I got this. I can overcome adversity. I can play through the pain. I can live life through the difficulty. I'm going to grit my teeth and let's move forward, right? We do this. This is a very common thing that we do. But today, as we finish this series, Way, Truth, Life, we're going to be really honest about this life of discipleship. Maybe over the past few weeks, you've heard us talk about Jesus delivering us from sin, forgiving us and restoring us. But then we also talked about sanctification, where he delivers us from the power of sin and death where we don't want to sin anymore. And then last week we talked about different means of grace practices of opening ourselves to God and and giving us strength and giving us comfort and, and having people around us and getting support. And when you start talking about these different facets, you might think that a Christian life, everything's taken care of. I got support. I got strength. God is with me. I am going to be comforted. I'm going to have everything. I've got ways of life that are different that will get me in the right mindset to live life, right? We might get that false sense of security. And when things come our way, which, by the way, they do. Let me dispel the myth right now. Living a Christian life does not mean you will not struggle, does not mean you will not have difficulty, does not mean you will not have pain or suffering or injustice on your doorstep. Sometimes it seems like it comes even more so. But when that comes, how will we react? Will we grit our teeth and overcome adversity through the faith that we have Or does God want us to address these moments in a different way? In a way that might not seem natural to us. Because the natural thing is, I'm going to take it on myself. I'm just going to have faith. You become regimented. You become firm. And often that's not even enough. Today we're going to read in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians is the second, hence second, letter to the church in Corinth. People who live in Corinth are called Corinthians. And I want to share a few things with you before we read this, because it's really important to see how much the Corinthians uh, relate with our culture of having it all together and, and really having great respect for people who just, you know, move forward, okay? So the Corinthians uh, had a culture that, put, that really elevated people who were gifted, who had great experiences, who seemed to have it all together. And they brought this cultural peace with them in following Jesus to the point of saying they started dividing themselves among leaders in the church. Well, Paul had this experience and I follow him, and this person over here had an experience and I'm gonna follow them. And there was almost like this competition this competition of who was the best pastor, who was the best apostle, all of these different kinds of things. And because this is a second letter, the problem didn't go away with the first letter. <laughs> And so it's in this culture that Paul begins to write to them about showing them how to see life, how to address life, how to be aware of what God is wanting us to be and how to live. And it's not by dividing yourselves among those teachers or who's had the greatest experience or who seems to have the most gifts or all these different kinds of things but rather we come together as one body and we have these different gifts and experiences and yes even struggles and it makes up this body of Christ that lives faithfully to God that was really the first that was the first letter and in the second one Paul is not in the same place that he was with the first letter. He is not seen, he's he's losing respect day by day, it seems to be, in in this church. Even though he planted the church, even though he was their pastor, all these different kinds of things. Even though Paul was incredibly gifted himself, incredibly intelligent, had an unbelievable experience with Jesus. If you know anything about Paul, Paul is literally going about his day as a Pharisee ready to go and help kill Christians when he experiences Jesus on the road to Damascus and his life is changed forever. He has the experience. He has the gifts. He has the intelligence. He has everything that you would want to say, that guy is a super Christian. You ever met anybody like that? Where you're like, oh man, they have it all together. Oh man, they... I don't, I don't have their experience, but goodness, have you ever heard their story? Right? We begin like tearing people up, like, no, oh, no, here's this person who's the ultimate Christian. and me, I'm not so much, you know, that kind of a thing. And Paul, in this moment in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, speaks to them to flip the script on this idea that it's all based on having the best spiritual experience, the best gifts, the best everything. And he begins to show some vulnerability and humility. So open your Bibles with you, your apps. It will be on the screen as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 6. We're going to have it on the screen there too. I'm reading from the Common English Bible. So uh, if you're wanting exactly what what I'm reading, it will be on the screen. Paul writes this. If I did want to brag... I would not make a fool of myself because I'd be telling the truth. I'm holding back from bragging so that no one will give me any more credit than what anyone sees or hears about me. Remember how we talked about how Paul has it all? I was a poet and didn't know it. Paul has it all. You should be able to respect him He can brag as much about this. He has this experience with Jesus. He knows this, that, these, those. He's pastoring. He's planning churches. The reason why Gentiles are coming to know Jesus is because of Paul. He has every reason to brag. And then he doesn't. And he shares this with them. I was given a thorn in my body because of the outstanding revelations I've received so that I wouldn't be conceited. It is a messenger from Satan sent to torment me so that I wouldn't be conceited. I pleaded with the Lord three times for it to leave me alone. And He said to me, My grace is enough for you because power is made perfect in weakness. So I'll gladly spend my time bragging about my weaknesses so that Christ's power can rest On me, therefore, I am all right with weaknesses, insults, disasters, harassments, and stressful situations for the sake of Christ, because when I am weak, then I am strong. How many of you have ever said, oh, yeah, I'm totally good with some harassment? (laughs) Bring on the disaster. How many of you want some more stress in your life? Amen. Wow, I'm not getting a lot of takers on that one. See, what Paul looks to do here is he is looking to subvert this culture of thinking that if a person has it all together, has all the gifts, has all the experiences, that they, therefore, are better Christians than others. He's subverting this. And we need to be very, very open to this. If you've ever looked at a person and said, man, they've got it all together. They must be really good with Jesus. Be careful. Because what we're doing is we're recognizing something based on what a human does instead of Christ and what he does. So what he does is he goes up to them and he says, hey, you know what? I got a thorn. The debate of what the thorn Paul has has gone on for 2,000 years. We don't know what it is, so don't ask me. But I can tell you the speculation. Some people believe that he had a physical disability. Some people believe that he had, that the Corinthian church was his thorn. <laughs> some people say <laughs> <play> that. <laughs> I have a thorn in my body. It's really driving right me nuts. Uh, some people believe that maybe it was um, a temptation of sorts. There have been all kinds of speculations. But the, re- the reality of it is, is that Paul does not necessarily disclose it, the important part thing is that he is disclosing that he is not perfect and he has struggles. That's why he talks about it. He's being vulnerable to say, hey, you know what? I got something. And it's not going away. Which is a little different than what we're used to hearing sometimes in Christian circles well, if you pray about it, God will take it away. What if He doesn't? What if the depression doesn't go away? What if the stage four cancer isn't miraculously healed? What if the answer to all of it is not what we were expecting? And that's what Paul is tapping into here in this moment. He asks about it hey, God, take this away from me. It wasn't gone. So he begins to recognize that this thing that he he attributes to Satan, God's going to work through. God's going to do something through. And because of that place where he is, He's willing to go through harassment. He's willing to go through disaster. He's willing, like he has peace with all of the stuff that life can throw at him. And so the very first question that many of us might have is, how do you get peace like that? How do you get peace knowing that stuff is going to come to your doorstep? That you're going to be hurt by other people. That your body is going to fail at some point. That you have people in your life that you just want to... That we live in a world that is broken. That we live in a world where family members aren't going to be gathering together at Thanksgiving because of the division in our society. How do you have that kind of peace? Because what we might be tempted to do is we might go back to last week and think through, I have to do this to have this kind of peace. Remember last week we talked about being a part of church and praying daily and reading scripture, gathering with others, sharing meals together. Do you remember we talked about these means of grace, these practices to cooperate with God to work within us, right? We might go to that can-do attitude. Maybe I need to pray more. Maybe I need to have better devotional life. Maybe I need to be that perfect, uber, zealous Christian. Maybe that's how I get peace. I can't tell you how much my heart drops into my stomach when I hear a Christian say to somebody who is struggling, You just need to have more faith. I'm sorry, what now? You're blaming the person who is suffering on their faith? That's not it. And that's not what Paul is saying here at all. That's not what Jesus preached. That's not what Peter preached. That's not what we find within Scripture. And yet it is said constantly from pulpits and people in churches all the time. Just got to have more faith. Well, maybe you need to pray more. Maybe you need... Oh, wait a minute. What that does is it mistakes faith as completely our effort. That basically, if we do A, then God will do what we want him to do. Just so you know, this is a relationship. It's not an equation. God is not your your community vending machine that if you press the right buttons, you get all that you want. And that's what Paul is saying here. Paul has not had, he has not been delivered from this thorn. And the fact that he says, I'm not going to brag about all the stuff that I do right, because he does all kinds of stuff right. He was the super apostle. Rather, it is... Turning to God and all being content with what God gives you. Because guess what, friends? God is faithful. God is faithful. And he doesn't cause pain and suffering. Sin and death does that. I want you to be very clear. God does not cause you to suffer. But God can work in your suffering. When somebody hurts you, God can work in you. When you are in pain and are sick, God can work through you. See, what we don't really give God credit enough is that He is faithful to us and He knows all and is all and can do anything. But what He decides to do and what He doesn't do We have to trust Him in that moment. I like what David Busick says. Faith in difficult times is not a matter of how strong we are or how much faith we have. Faith in the darkest moments is really a matter of how strong God is. No matter what we encounter on the journey, God's grace is sufficient to hold us up. And his love is strong enough to pull us through it. God doesn't always take you out of the situation. He pulls you through it. And we shouldn't be surprised for that because Jesus experienced that same road. Jesus was not taken out of a world of sin and death. He was put right In the midst of it, experienced sin continuously around him, was unjustly crucified at the hand of the Roman state, and God brought him through. He lost his life, but he beat death. But there is something to be said that we have to cooperate. (laughs) So, hear me, hear, hear the good news. Faith is not completely your effort. Because if you do see faith as what you have, is what you do, is all based on you. You know what happens? We turn into striving survivalists forsaking the life that Christ has given us. And I've seen it. I've seen people in the name of Jesus do violence to others. I've seen people in the name of Jesus hate others. And they try to cast it like, oh no, I'm loving these people. No, you aren't. You're just trying to find ways to keep within your prejudice. You're just trying to make yourself feel better about the sin that you're committing. Love is love. Love is seeing and doing what is best for those around us without coercion. It means sacrificing ourselves for others even at the risk of not being loved in return just like Jesus was. So if we... So hear me out. Faith is not all our effort. And for achievers like myself, who are, who are, who are like achievers, you, you do things, oh, I, gotta, I just got to do this, got to do this, got to do this, and things will turn out good. Anybody who wants to be, be vulnerable, be hum- humble, yeah? This is hard. Because we just think if I do my devotions, if I go to church, if I, do, if I serve in this, if I give, if I do all these things, everything's going to be great, and then it doesn't happen. Here, here, if you're an achiever, hear this out, okay? Do not give into the temptation that our effort will affect the results of thorns in our lives. Do not give into to the temptation that our effort will affect the results of thorns in our lives. Because what will happen is you will not grieve. You will not experience the pain and you will actually close yourself off to God to work within you in the midst of that thorn. The reality is we will miss that we need God. To live. But if you're not an achiever, if you're like, oh, I like to sit back, I'll just wait on God. Hold the phone. Because the other side of this is we have to be open to God as well. We have to open ourselves up and sometimes that does require intention. They are cooperative spaces for God to work in us. And that's why all of the things that we have talked about over these past few weeks, these practices of being together in discipleship groups or prayer or church or events or whatever they might be, it's why these are essential because they are cooperative spaces for God to work within us. So hear this out. Let's let's flesh this out in real life, okay? Having a devotional life where you wake up every single morning and you read scripture and you pray every single day is not going to heal stage 4 cancer. God doesn't work like, oh well goodness gracious, they were just really great devotional. Yeah, here's the miracle. No, that's not how this works. But those devotions and those prayers, that time with God can help you reframe and understand and even go through the grief of that cancer, whether you are healed or not. Do you hear that? It's not going to heal it necessarily, but it will help you lean on God and He will pull you through it. Having perfect attendance at church will not get you rich. Sorry. Even though there are some pastors who act like it. Uh, (laughs) Having perfect attendance at church was not going to get you rich, but in the moments where you have a fallout, when life happens, that church might be able to help you get through that financial difficulty by giving to you or helping you. you. hear that? So being a part of a church is important too. Saying the right prayer does not guarantee that you will not get COVID-19. This, I'm, I'm serious. I've heard people say things like, the reason I haven't got COVID is because I've, pray- I've been praying specifically for protection. That's not necessarily true. Hold the phone. But I can tell you this, if you were to get COVID-19, prayer is going to help you in that moment. And the people around you are going to be praying as well. And God's going to work in that in some way that there's not guarantees but he will pull you through it in whatever way. Bringing somebody to church and inviting people to tailgates or whatever it might be doesn't mean you're going to get extra jewels in heaven. I've heard that before too. I don't know why. But let me tell you something. Somebody receives the grace of Christ, and you were a part of that, you're gonna be hanging with that person for a long time, far beyond this own life, and it has eternal implications. Faith is not our effort, it is a giving of ourselves in cooperation to what God is doing in us, in the circumstances that we have. As we said earlier, Your circumstances do not define if you are blessed or not. You are already blessed. God is with you and he loves you. You are his child. And he is with you. And just because sin and death comes to your doorstep and you are in pain or you're in suffering does not mean that God has left you. He is with you in the grief and the pain that life brings just like he was with Christ when he was on the cross. And it's okay, it's okay to cry out to God and be frustrated with him. He can handle it. But he's going to pull you through. When it's just the worst, God is with you. So friends... Let us not brag about our spiritual experiences and our gifts and all these things. Let us brag about how God has strengthened us in the midst of our weakness. Because that's what Paul does here. Carlos Sundberg says this, Paul turns the understanding of strength and weakness upside down. He He is a stronger follower of Christ because he has a weakness. Friends, let us turn our weaknesses over to Christ in every bit, and He will give us what we need to be faithful to Him in the midst of that weakness. Grace, this grace, this gift that He gives us, doesn't always remove the memories, and It doesn't exempt us from the damage that's been inflicted upon us. Grace doesn't extract sorrow from our lives. Grace doesn't resolve our fragility. You aren't invincible when you got Jesus, just so you know. (laughs) But grace does reframe our stories, grace does work in the cracks, grace does deepen intimacy. And grace does reveal its source, Jesus Christ. In some ways, I find athletes who know their limits and shut themselves down to be more respectable than the trend. Remember how we talked about, oh yeah, I got respect for a person who plays through injury. Honestly, I'm getting to that point now where it's like, no, I respect the guys who say, I need to stop. Because at the end of the day, what those athletes are doing is that they are taking doctors and what they offer seriously. (laughs) They have been given a way to heal. They have been given a way forward. And they have said, oh, I can't do everything. My effort can't resolve this. and they take what they have been given, and they live into it. Now, does that mean that they just stop right there? No. To recover from an injury, what happens? You have to have the surgery. You have to go through rehab and therapy. There's still participation. There's still effort here. Do you see how this is a metaphor of what discipleship is, friends? Every one of us has the injury of sin and death in our lives. Jesus forgives it, does surgery on us, <laughs> changes us. But guess what? We still have a road after the fact. We have a journey in his grace for the rest of our lives where we will constantly be growing, where we will be changing throughout our lives, and Jesus changes us even in our weakest moments when we want to quit, when we think all is lost. And He pulls us through with His love and His presence as we cooperate with Him. Discipleship is a journey of grace. So may we not see it only as our own effort, but rather it's meeting God where we are and allowing Him to work in us continuously and being open to all that He does in our lives. May you and I live in the way, the truth, and the life of Christ as we follow Him with His grace.